Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, welcome to But Am I Wrong, starring two people who, I mean, you've never been wrong. Find receipts if I have been. Find the receipts. Don't think you can. Show me the screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, my name is Megan. I'm joined by my co-host and producer and the diamond of every season. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Diamond Motts. Hello, How are you hello. doing? I'm good. Speaking of receipts, I got a notification from Apple yesterday saying that they were having trouble backing up my messages because I have everything backed up every 30 days because I do keep my receipts and I pull out screenshots from years ago and I was panicking, but then it was able to back it up. So it was oh, good. good. Yeah, but I'm good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You sound so you sound so uh, spirited <laughs> in good spirits. I did stuff this weekend. What did you do? Surprise, surprise. I went to an art gallery on Saturday. Fun. And then Sunday, I saw uh, my friend Catherine and Alex and the babies, Koya and Anton. They were very cute. They're very cute babies. I forgot that it was Easter. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Fully forgot that it was Easter. You know what I've decided, though? I've decided that when I have like a family Mm -hmm. that even into adulthood, I want to be that family who does like Easter egg hunts. Like I lived for an Easter egg hunt. Like I wish... I could do that now. Like, I think they're so fun and so cool. I mean, there's no reason why we can't. Exactly. Now you have a big backyard. That mm-hmm. we, <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet on because you announced it on Friday, right? Yep. Yeah. I announced it Friday. So if you only listen to this podcast, we close on a house. We have a home that we're moving mm-hmm. into. We're... Hope maybe guess by the time that you listen to this, yeah, we will actually be close to fuck every. Why do we do this every fucking episode where we come? Const- you you'll be moving in a couple days by the time they hear this. Okay, yeah. So I will be moving. Send your well wishes, <laughs> and also if you're looking to buy any furniture, please just keep an eye out on my Instagram because this is going to be the crunch time of me selling and donating shit. Because I don't want to, we can't move everything. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed. I mean, if somebody bought my (laughs) massage chair, then I would take your pink chairs, but nobody's bought it. So I don't have room (sighs) for your chairs right now. Yeah, we're figuring out. There's just a lot to do in a move. And I've never like, I didn't move at all growing up, unlike you. And <laughs> but I moved a ton. Like I feel like I really made up made up for it mm-hmm. by the time that I turned 18, like moved into a dorms, moved into an apartment, moved into another apartment, then moved into uh back home, then moved into a different apartment. Like I've like probably within LA, like I 
lived every, I moved like every year for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And then once we moved here, I used to live in the downstairs unit for a year. Then I moved upstairs and we've, I've been here for like seven years, something in total. Yeah, because when we first met, you were moving like that weekend, you were moving from downstairs to upstairs. Mm hmm. And so I'm kind of just like, ooh, I've never moved like six years of my life. And also in typical ADHD fashion, instead of like, <laughs> instead of going through all of the shit from my old apartments that I like needed to get rid of, I just put it in my garage. Mm-hmm. So my garage just is storage of shit that I haven't looked at in like, it's from not even the last, it's from like moves prior yeah. Than the one that into this place. So it's just like, <laughs> fuck. That makes total sense to me because kind of my parents, not kind of, they, we, when we moved, by the time we ended up back in Arkansas the final time, the whole garage was just stuff. And it was, you know, like probably like three, because it was a three car garage. So three times as big as the one that you have, I think. Oof. So it was just filled with stuff. And then one weekend, they just had, like a junk person come and just clear out the thing we lost. So not a lot, well, like a lot of things that we probably wanted to keep hold of were taken up. But then it's like, why? <laughs> why are we yeah. carrying this around with us? I'm trying to like give myself enough time that, and like Mats was like trying to like work on that. And I was like, no, no, no. that's the last thing we do mm-hmm. because like worst case scenario, we just call up a truck and donate every single thing in here as opposed to like in the house like in our current place I'm like we have to get things out like yeah we have to leave we have to end this lease so very excited again if you didn't listen I talk about it in this week's episode of don't blame me but I have a vlog where I did us buying house I also filmed an empty house tour which I don't know when the fuck I'm gonna edit it people are like I'm so excited for moving vlogs and I have a question how do people have the fucking time You'd have to hire somebody or like have like a vest that just has as you're walking yeah, around. Like just a live stream a GoPro on. footage. <laughs> yeah. I'm and just then like, later, <laughs> like much later, you sit down and edit after you've like maybe just, yeah, set up a GoPro inside the house as people are moving things in. I have so many questions that maybe it's they have more time. I think it's editors. They write, right? They have to have an edit. Yeah, like, how do you have time to do that? Yeah. There was a little microphone that I let you borrow a long time ago that I forgot about. But I actually, if you find it, let me know. Ooh, if not, okay. oh well. <laughs> yeah. If any, if I have anything of anyone's, you got to reach out to me now um, because it might just get. <laughs> I, I have like this Liza's was perfect time. The, those toe socks you sent me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I texted Melissa the other day this picture. Everyone, like, remind me. I will put it on the uh, Instagram story today. Where is this? (laughs) So I just sent her this picture of this small, hot pink, grippy sock, but it doesn't have any toes. Like, it has, like, individual spaces for all of the toes. And I said, is this your sock? No, that's my nightmare. Okay, good. It made me picture your Vienna sausage toes individually wrapped. And then you said like pigs in a blanket. So yeah, I'm going through, but I found one of like Liza's denim jackets from like years and years and years ago. And I literally was like, okay, I need to ask her if she wants this. But like simultaneously, I'm going to be like, 
this is also ugly. So like, please tell me you don't want this. Like, I just like. It'll come back in like 10 years. It'll not be ugly anymore. Yeah. But I was like, I want you to know that I have this. But like also, um, I, it's ugly. I, I'm going to donate it on your behalf because this is ugly. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you could probably sell it and then have enough for you. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'll try and find a little, a little, a little koshy curly hair. Yeah. And I'll be like, hey. That <laughs> is so funny. Okay. Well, I guess we should explain what this podcast is. This is But Am I Wrong, where we just talk about people being wrong. Never us, <laughs> except sometimes, maybe. Yeah. Where we have our first segment, But Am I Wrong, where we bring up things that have happened in our personal lives recently or hot takes, things that we've been thinking on, stewing on. And then we will read your submissions. And then we have our final segment, which is But Are They Wrong, a.k.a. Rachel of the Week, where we nominate the absolute woat of the week, <laughs> the worst of all time, mm, the, the, the shithead, all of it. And then one of our personal favorite parts is then we put up all of the things we talked about into polls on our Instagram story so you can vote and we can see what you, if you agreed with us, if you disagree, like what your thoughts were on all of this. So those go up on Friday, sometimes a little bit later, but probably Friday because weekends are way busier for me while moving and you vote on everything. And then, and yeah, we ask that you read every single one before you vote. And please, if you vote wrong, send us a DM, let us know. And if you vote with the unpopular opinion, we'd love to hear the reasoning why. And yeah, I guess we should... Read, read the, the results. results. You are not the father. <laughs> All right. Melissa versus the narrative around jury duty. 1% said I was wrong. 99% said I was not wrong. Correct. I, I I side with all of that. And we also had a good discussion about that on um the Facebook group. Oh, did, I missed it. Yeah. Well, people were talking about how they've seen like a lot of podcasts have just been like talking about jury duty recently and especially mm -hmm. people in L.A. Like it feels like everyone in L.A. is getting called. Well, they kind of like if it wasn't urgent, they were pushing things during COVID. So yeah. that's part of the reason. I did see a news story, though, that so my jury duty after figuring out. So they don't they like they like didn't send the summons like the next one. And so something happened where they were like, oh, we're going to send another one. So like. Don't worry about mm. it. And so we're, I'm waiting for that to find out. But part of me, I'm like, I wonder, like, I felt like it was in the springtime because I remembered that I think it was around the time we were going to be trying to move. And I was like, well, that's going to be really stressful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I think. I wonder if this could have been me that I just saw the Black China versus the Kardashians lawsuit. They like just were going through and finding all of the jurors now and like asking them all these questions and stuff. And that happened this past like week. And I was like, Maybe that would have been mine. <laughs> hmm, interesting. <laughs> so we'll never know, but we can create that narrative for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, next up we have me versus the demonizing of hormonal birth control. 2% said I was wrong and 98% said I was not wrong. Got a lot of wonderful messages from people who uh, also experienced, you know, this, the same feelings that I had, which mm -hmm. I see you. All right. Writer number one versus their best friend who is dating a Candace Owen supporter. 2% said the writer is wrong. And then 98% said their best friend is wrong. Good picture. Thank you. It's a great one. 
Next, we have writer number two versus sending a bikini picture to your friend's parents. 5% said the writer was wrong and 95% said the friend was wrong. Yeah, this one was just weird. Yeah. You know? Very weird. Where do you find, what do you type in when you're looking for pictures? It takes me too long. So, like, I just need everyone to know that while I'm moving, that you're am I going to see a lot of the same pictures over and over and over again? No. So, I essentially, like, deep dive on every, like, Twitter, Pinterest, Reddit, like, for all of these reaction photos. And they're really funny. But, yeah, I spend way too much fucking time on them. So, like, I don't even, <laughs> I need to, I'm going to be reusing a lot in okay. some uh, current That's times. Fine. This one is my favorite reaction photo ever. <laughs> Writer number three versus homophobic uncle who is wrong. 1% said the writer is wrong. 99% said the writer is not wrong. And would you like to describe the photo to people? The, is this a person I should know? Um, I don't think so. Okay. But maybe. I haven't. If it's from a TV show, which it probably is, I haven't seen it. But it is a lady with a nice puff ponytail holding a phone in her hand that says, do you want to fight? As the note screen saver, whatever. It's a good picture. And the face, like the just the facial expression mm-hmm. is just, because it's un, it's unreadable. Right. It, you, could, you could read that face as being like completely joking. Uh-huh. Or as like. Or totally serious. But it's just funny. <laughs> And also, like, they're in front of, like, a computer. So it just makes me think that, like, this is something I would have put on my phone if we were in, like, computer class and some shit in, like, middle school. And I just would have, like, shown it to my friend. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it it feels so funny like that. Unfortunately, when I was in computer classes, we had Nokia phones. So you wouldn't have been able to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then we have writer number four versus lack of trigger warnings in books. Who is wrong? 4% said the writer is wrong. They are anti-trigger warning. And 96% said writer is not wrong, pro-trigger warning. Got a lot of messages from people who um, had said that, like, there are these specific websites you can use that will do trigger warnings. And then someone said that there is, like, an option or, like, the section in books where people do that. But it's, like, on one of, like, those early first pages in, like, really tiny font. And, like, there's no regulations. So, like, sometimes they leave things out. But yeah. yeah, I think the point is that it should be readily available in the book and you shouldn't have to search for it. Yeah, the same thing that is in like television mm-hmm. shows. Like, yeah, we just need that some regulation of that. All right. Wrong of the week is Luincia Lavanya Browning. Who is wrong? 93% said LLB is wrong. 7% said LLB is not wrong. What the fuck? <laughs> Seems kind of high, to be honest. I think a lot of people um, were confused by the what the fuck and they thought it was like as a judgment of her as opposed mm-hmm. to a judgment of them for voting for that. So I will take onus of that. Okay. Next, we have my wrong of the week where I nominated 7M Films Management Company. 99% said that uh, 7M, 7FMC is wrong and 1% said they are not wrong. Okay. So those are the results We hope you all vote for this episode. Another great tip that people have had is they take notes during the episode Mm -hmm. while they listen to it and then they can know that they are voting accurately. Because like, I'm sure the ego boost when you don't vote wrong for not a single one is great. Like, I'm sure you just like finish that and you feel so accomplished. So don't you want to try and have that feeling? Yeah, I like to feel accomplished. Doesn't happen that often, though. 
No, because I start 15,000 things all at once. Yeah, but then that one time that you finish something, it's great. Yeah. You get, you get things done during the week. I just don't think you count your little. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. You should count your little. <laughs> no, I need to make a rule for myself that I can't add more things on my to-do list while the day is happening. Because, like, it just keeps getting longer, even though I've accomplished things. Do you do one the day before? Yeah. But then I forget shit that I had to do. For mine, I'll do things day before, add it. But then I'll make like mine is broken up by day. So like if it's something that I need to add, I'll just add it to the next day. Do you do that instead of adding it to your current day? No, I don't do that. You should do that. I probably should. And then if you don't finish something, just move it to the next day. And then you just keep moving it until you eventually finish it. Funny that you use that word specifically. I have like to do today, tomorrow, and then like days of the week. And then at the bottom, I have just eventually. (laughs) And I have like a whole list of things that I need to do. Eventually. Eventually. They're not pressing right now. So why should there's only a certain amount of hours in a day and we rarely sleep as it is. So don't beat yourself up over things like that. Thanks. All right. Should we get into the episode? Yes. Now it's time for, but am I wrong? So we're each going to do our own things that are either hot takes or things that have happened to us recently. I think I started last time. You did. I made a note. So I'm first this time. So mine is singing should be banned from airplanes. All mine today are going to be airplane related. So strap in. You're in for a bumpy ride. (laughs) (laughs) Singing should be banned. And I'm sure at this point, everyone has seen the video of I guess a Christian group that was on an airplane that had guitars out standing in the middle of the aisle singing and sharing their joy for the Lord what they were doing and I am a Christian they're being an annoyance to everyone and I think like singing as a whole should be banned because even a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but like the cast of Lion King from Broadway were singing on a plane. And I was like, this is so I would be so aggravated and annoyed. People have their mouths open. I I am a very nervous flyer. So this would have made me even more nervous. I need to be with my Calm app doing meditations. And we've got these people just being dis that we're in a closed place that I can't escape from and you're singing. I don't want to hear this. And as far as this Christian group, like you shouldn't be trying to force religion on other people. It's just not cool. It's not the Christian way. If you're actually a Christian, this is just, it's just not it. Also, that's a safety hazard. You're making all your spit particles that are, flying out there you guys are all fucking assholes it reminds me of when james corden and the cast of cinderella got in the middle of the street and were blocking traffic and forcing themselves on other people with their singing and probably made a whole bunch of people late because la traffic is horrendous as it is already and that's a horrible intersection same vibe I I agree with you. I would like to take it one step further. I think group singing should be banned. 
like in general. I think unless I, like I am choirs, I like no, no, like but that's an atten- that's that's a choice. Okay, that's like unless I am like signing up to like attend a concert, yeah. a performance, a, a play. Mm-hmm. I think spontaneous group singing. Oh yeah, in yeah, public yeah. spaces, agree with that. Should be illegal. Like mm-hmm. I think like a cappella groups that hang out in just corridors yeah. and are suddenly saying no. Yeah, no, I think that, that should be banned. Um, and also, just to add, if any other religion did this, yeah. any other religion, mm-hmm. holy fucking shit, the response from like the the praising, there would be no praise. Like no. it would be it, it. Also, I don't think they would have been. I think airlines would have stopped them. It would have stopped. And yeah. I think that people on the plane would have stopped them. And I think, you know. It was so weird. And also I'm like, so cringy. How are you not embarrassed? Like, that's so embarrassing. Those type of people don't get embarrassed. They should. They They should. should, But they're like missing that embarrassment thing that goes off in your brain. Wow. I'm glad I have that. Me too. Because like, I'm already embarrassing. And like, I know when I'm being embarrassing. But like, just imagine just like. You don't have like those kids in school that were in like that did all the musicals that they would just be singing all the time. Yeah, that's where I got my hatred of spontaneous group singing from. Like, yeah, so like it's the, it's those people all together. Yeah. And then you add in white Jesus. See, that's like I already hated like I was like the anti-musical theater theater kid. Like I was like I'm not anti-musical theater, but like I was just like I did not fit the bill of like who was in my drama department, but like mm-hmm. I was a big part of my drama department and there was no religious aspect of that. But if you added in the yeah. religion to that, like I was annoyed enough with like everybody being like, did you see last week's episode of Glee? And they would just like start singing the song and I'd be like, well, I'm out of here. But like I had a friend who was the sweetest person. She was lovely, but she was one of those singing people. And she sat in front of me in our math class and she'd be singing during tests and like wouldn't even notice it. And I have to kick the back of her. She's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> because it's just giving such Leah Michelle. Like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. I just like, or like, I think we all sing in the words of Victoria Justice. Wow. Mm. So you're not wrong. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So mine, um, I am like looking at my list of things that I have and I just like need people to know that I fluctuate between things that are like very serious topics and other things that are just like me being an asshole. So I'm picking something that's like decently more serious. My hot take is that America is not obsessed with health and wellness. They're just insanely fat phobic and obsessed with obesity and I listened to a wonderful podcast called Maintenance Phase, and I mm-hmm. recommend it for absolutely everybody. And I really, really recommend it for thin people specifically because it gives such an insight into how fat phobia, similarly to ableism, is like so ingrained in our society that like we don't see it and like we don't recognize it when it's happening and like just like everyday acts perpetuate all of this. And so I have like lots of thoughts and feelings on like the obesity epidemic and they did a great episode on that. But (laughs) the fact that they passed a law that have made restaurants have to have calorie counts on the menus 
But you know what law they have never been able to pass? That they have to have allergen lists on menus. Mm. There's absolutely no regulation of that for restaurants. So restaurants are not legally required to provide food allergy warnings for people who are allergic to ingredients in food. Food products at the supermarket will list major allergens, but at restaurants and like chain restaurants, everything. So Congress designed the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act of 2004 to cover packaged food items, but it does not require retail or food service companies that make food to give allergy warnings to customers. That means like anywhere that you go, they don't have to tell you if there's allergens in there. They can also lie about Mm -hmm. having allergens in there. And the same thing with like cross-contamination. They don't have to warn you. They will do it voluntarily. They can like let you know, but also because there is no regulation, like they can just lie with no like penalty for doing that. But the only time that they will do that if it's like packaged, packaged goods. But yeah, so in the massive healthcare reform act that Obama signed, it had restaurants with more than 20 locations must post calorie counts on print display and drive through menus, but there are absolutely no regulations requiring restaurants to post allergen information. And this statistic, this is from allergyeats.com, more than 12 million people in the U.S. have food allergies, 4% of the population. That number is even higher for children under the age of 3 and 6%, and another 3 million people have been diagnosed with celiac disease. What the ter- Some of the terminology of this was... Individuals who regularly eat high-calorie restaurant meals will likely gain weight over time and are setting themselves up for significant health risks, possibly including earlier death down the road, obviously nothing to take lightly. However, individuals who accidentally eat a meal containing a food they are allergic to can have a severe health effects immediately, potentially even fatal. Has anyone tried to, did they talk about anyone trying to pass anything or is there any legislation that's been been written? So far from what I've seen, and I will do more research and add it in the show notes that hasn't like it was hard. It was hard to get the packaged goods ones. And like, it seems like we've kind of hit like a stagnant with that. And it feels like every it's everything prioritizes obesity and like it's just like, I'm just going to say the obsession with obesity gives like, it, it's icky to me. Like mm-hmm. it feels like beyond fat phobic. It feels like, I don't want to say like a kink or something, but like these people who have this like absolute like hatred of like fat people, they're like inherent, like obsession with them is just really unsettling. Like it's not only just like really like gross and dangerous and cruel it's unsettling. The shit that you'll see that like people will say and like go out of their way to find fat, like it is creepy as fuck. I just think that like we see the world being like ableist in current times with COVID and all of that stuff. And like the thing that everybody wants to focus on immensely is obesity. And but in reality, and you can hear this on the episode of Maintenance Phase, a lot of the correlations that people have with these early deaths and all of these things or life's like ailments or diseases that can come or heart problems from that is mostly due to the fact that like fat people, overweight people don't have the same access to effective health care. Mm-hmm. Like so drugs aren't tested on people mm-hmm. above a certain weight limit. So, like mm-hmm. all of these things, like it is a problem that the medical community has created And then they are blaming people for their weight for the reason why that they're not going to get good health care and then saying that those people are unhealthy, even though they're not providing 
good health care. Right. And also like not just health care, but also providing the food or money and access to the food and the fact that organic food is cost more than GMO foods. And it's, it's just all a circle. Yeah. And like food deserts and like mm-hmm. everything, like it's all it's capitalism. And then you have doctors who are signing on to this and like no one's unpacking their own implicit, their own personal biases and right. their own like bigoted belief system. And I am just done with that shit. Like you can't claim that you're about health and you want all of this shit when our country doesn't even have regulations for people who have like food allergies right. like that. Like, no, you don't give a shit. Like you truly don't give a shit. And like when I went to Europe uh, and went to the UK specifically, mm-hmm. they have to ha- list everything. It was the greatest thing in my, in my life. Like I've never been able to eat like that. Like they have to list everything that's on the menu. They have to have like a certain percentage of their menu that is completely allergen free, can be made allergen free. Like there is no cross contamination issue. Like you don't have to have cross contamination. Just don't do it. Like mm-hmm. there's no, like, just don't like what the fuck? Like, and it's just, and that leads to a cleaner kitchen too. Yes. And also it doesn't just benefit. Pe- it benefits people who are kosher. It benefits mm-hmm. people who like have different like food practices for uh, different religions. It had all of that shit. Like it benefits everyone. But you know, if it's not Christian, they don't care. Exactly. Exactly. It's Christian and capitalism Mm -hmm. like those are the top two things that are like controlling absolutely all of this shit that it is all encompassed by and like when you take the like the most hateful aspects of both of those things then that's where you get bigotry through all of that as well because they use those things as an excuse and oh it just makes me mad i'm honestly surprised there hasn't been like some celebrity that's like gun-ho on this and going and lobbying about it me too it's probably it probably would have been like a jessica beale thing but then she got too big with like the vaccine Mm -hmm. mandates yeah but someone like that but you know not like that even like the whole thing of like i i like don't bring nuts on like planes anymore Mm -hmm. because i'm nervous if like someone has a nut allergy because Mm -hmm. like i put i'll get them and if they offer them i'll get them and put them in my pocket and just and don't eat it till i get off the plane yeah, I just worry that like if someone had to like get rescheduled on a flight or if like a flight attendant doesn't mm-hmm. like make the call. You know what I mean? Like it I've just been on so many flights where they don't say anything. Yeah. And I've got all my niece, mm, half of them are like allergic to pretty much everything. So I'm always careful about it, but that's because I'm aware of it. And then some people just push the awareness because they don't care. And then a lot of people don't even know that they're allergic to things that are that add to, you know, it could be even the opposite of that, that could add to what they think is obesity. And it's actually not. It's a food allergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I just think that we all need to, not me, because we're not included in this, but all of these fucking people need mm-hmm. to stop pretending that they, um, they care. care about the health and well-being mm-hmm. of people when they clearly don't. And like, just say, just be like, hey, my name is Susan. I'm incredibly fat phobic mm-hmm. and I'm a cunt. Just say that. Like, don't stop pretending you're worrying about people's health because like you're yeah. not. And it just pisses me off. Yep. So that's my not so hot take. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into, but are you wrong? And that's when people write in and share if they're wrong in the situation. And you can send us emails at butamiwrongpod at gmail.com. Keep it to 300 words or less if you don't or your, else <laughs> your email will not be used and you'll receive an email back saying make this shorter 
And if you send it back twice and it's not, we will not use yours at all. All right. Anything you want to add to that? Make sure that you are doing fake names, not like letters, because that's hard for us to follow. And yeah, let us know pronouns, people involved, as well as ages and all the relevant info. All right, here we go. First one. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I, 23, she, her pronouns, was recently called out by my stepmom, 54, she, her pronouns, for hurting her feelings. Some background. She had emailed me a Kindle book about finding the right career after we discussed how difficult it was for me to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I woke up the next morning to this Kindle book in my email and a message from her about how it was highly recommended and that she believed in me. I didn't respond. I figured I would say something to her when she got home because we lived together. Fast forward to her getting home and saying she had to say something to me and that it happened one too many times. She had sent me something in an email and I never responded to it. And it was simply etiquette to send something, even a simple thank you, got it. Quick note. She isn't saying I need to text her or call to say thank you. She's specifically saying I need to respond to an email with an email of my own. I apologized and she said I didn't realize that she was expecting a response and I didn't know that my not responding made her feel unappreciated. End of conversation. But am I wrong for not responding to these emails? Again, we live together. Why can't I just say something to her when she gets home from work at the end of the day? Is this some missing link between me, someone in her 20s, and her, someone in her 50s? Thank you both and have a great day. So it's kind of funny how like we've been in so much like us growing up, like this technology has been here for most of our lives. And we kind of feel like it's better to uh, communicate in person or, you know, in real time. I think this is like an older people thing. They, (laughs) I don't, it's kind of like Facebook. Like they see Facebook as like real life shit and like going through real life things. And like, if you don't respond, then this isn't real life etiquette like they really like think that this is all virtually is like the end all be all and I am someone who I got off Facebook because of this because (laughs) people were saying like you didn't tell me happy birthday or you didn't respond to my post or you didn't do blah 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 and I'm like Facebook is not real life I don't (laughs) business wise like I, I understand like email is not real life but if you're sending first of all like I don't really like send personal emails. That's something I never understood, like why people send emails about personal stuff, like send me a text message, send, call me about it, wait till we get home and talk about it. I think it was a nice gesture that she sent it, but I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, thank you so much. Like when she got home and said, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. I feel like that has more weight than sending an electronic mail. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong either, but this is making me rethink my entire life because like I am this way completely. Like I don't like someone can send me something through an email. I don't look at my email like like you said, like my email is for work. If you're Mm -hmm. sending me personal stuff to my email, I'm like, that's on you. I'm not going to read this and I'm not going to respond like you have my phone number and like But even beyond, if you're going to text me, if you have something that you really need me to see and you really need me to respond on, like, 
you can call me and like mm-hmm. tell me, and then we can have like a conversation like that. But I think in general, if you are sending a text message or an email and you're doing something that is written and you're throwing it out into the universe for that, I do not think that that should be something that you desperately need a response on. Like, I think if, unless you're talking to someone in person, like you might not get a response. They mm-hmm. might never open it. They might never respond to a DM, like all of that kind of right. shit. And like, you can't take that personally because if you really need a response, call someone, FaceTime mm-hmm. someone or talk to them about it in person. Yeah. I feel like, especially since you lived together, like once you got <laughs> home and you were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you for believing in me. This book, can't wait to read it. It's going to be super helpful. I feel like that's way more personal than responding to an email that says, thanks, I got it. But yeah. I also got in fights over people of not saying things on Facebook. So. I get it. I would truly just be like, what? <laughs> like, what? You're mad? Okay. Also, if like she sent you a Kindle book, that means most likely, unless she's like tech savvy, she it's like an automated one through Amazon. So then you have to craft a new email like to her that's not from like an Amazon automated one, right? Unless she was just sending the link for the writer to buy the book, like just sending a link to the book. I thought she sent you the book. Like a Kindle. She emailed me a Kindle book. Oh, I'm so sorry. If she just sent you a fucking link to Kindle and then was like, thank you for the like, I would understand it slightly more. And like what I thought this whole time was that like she bought the Kindle book for you and sent it to you. That could be it. But, but if she truly just sent you the fucking link to buy the book yourself, then she's like, why didn't you thank me for sending you that link? I'd be like, but I didn't get an email. Thank you for teaching you how to use Face ID. Like, come on. <laughs> Which the new face ID on the phone that like supposed to work with your mask doesn't work. Oh, I haven't set it up yet. I just did it the other day and I look like a fool. I'm pretty used to entering in my passcode, though, because it also doesn't recognize me with sunglasses on. And so mine does. I don't know. You're not wrong. I do know that for sure. You are not wrong. People need hobbies. (laughs) What if you had like a card? And like a gift basket waiting for her when she got home. And then she and I'm not saying that you should have done that. But what if like you did do that? And then she was just mad because you didn't send her an email. Like I was waiting. I wanted to look in your eyes and thank you. So fucking weird. I actually feel like this might be controversial. Really? I think some people are really into emails. Unless my job does not require me to have an email address. And I only use my email address for personal shit. Like. It's like leaving the same way. Like, it's like leaving a a voicemail on a work phone. Like, it's just not like I don't check my email when I'm I mean, I do. But like, I don't I don't routinely check my email as if only when I'm expecting work stuff. Like, I'm doing that for work. Like, I'm not. I literally have in my signature on my email, like, don't expect an email back within 24 to 48 hours, especially because of the work I do. I'm not sitting. People really think that like you're just sitting on your computer checking emails all day. No, no. I need people to be like, did you see the call me? And be like, did you see this email? And I'll be like, no, let me go check. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just weird. OK, OK. Your turn. I've she her been with my husband, Leo, he him for seven years. Leo's BFF since high school, Johnny, he him has lived with us since October. We're all 29. Johnny's roommate kicked him out. He said his only choices were to live in his car or move in with his parents, which was worse. 
He talked for months before about how he hated living there and wanted to leave, but he never found a place. I discussed with Leo that it wasn't a good idea, but he truly felt bad for him, so I caved. Now we want him to move out for several reasons. He's a mooch, always has been. We buy everything except meals. He talks like a pseudo-intellectual in Hogs conversations. I'm introverted and I like my space. He's a part-time driver and sets his own hours, but he only works during my work hours, so I'm literally never home alone or just with Leo because Johnny has no other friends or family nearby. He got a kitten but doesn't clean up after her. We also have a cat, so we told him we should take turns cleaning the litter. He always brushes it off or says something ridiculous like, how am I supposed to know which poop is hers? (laughs) And he quotes Joe Rogan, but I digress. Leo complains just as much, so we agreed to June 1st as the move-out date. Last night, I overheard Leo say to Johnny, we're looking at summer, June, but if you need more time, like July. I walked in there and said, no, June 1st. Johnny replied, well, that's specific. And it was awkward. I felt completely unheard. After I told Leo that I was annoyed, he didn't talk to me for the rest of the night. Am I wrong for getting upset? You could not be less wrong. Right. I'm sorry. Are you still having sex with your husband? Because I don't think I would be attracted to my husband at this point. My friends that listen to this podcast, you know who you are. You're hearing this right now. This happened to you. (laughs) Maybe you guys can call it for some insight. (laughs) This is like not okay. No, it's not. I have a theory (laughs) that the vast majority of like straight men are friends with people they don't really like that much or, like, mm-hmm. don't have, like, really great personality traits. Mots has this one friend. They don't listen. I'm not going to name them by name. Actually, I wonder if, like, we're going to find out that, like, some of them listen because, like, some of his friends listen because they're going to be like, is this about me? <laughs> Mots has this one friend who, like, I fucking hate. Like, I've always hated. Like, they just suck. Like, I just don't like them. And I never have. And... Mots was like, I just don't like why. And I was like listing all of the reasons. And I was like, why do you like him? Like what? And he's like, well, I just, you know, I was like, what are his good traits? And Mots couldn't name one good trait at all, except that like he's he's consistent. And I go, yeah, he's consistently horrible. A dick. Yeah. I'm like, what? No. And like, it was like the consistent. And he was like, no, but like, you know, in like the sense that like, He's like always been around, like he's, we've been friends for so like this much of time, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's not a personality trait. That is a circumstance. Like Mm -hmm. what is a good thing about, and it was kind of like, oh, you accept these like annoying, like shitty kind of qualities in, in friends. But then also like, we wonder then why men don't talk to their friends about like really deep personal stuff a lot of the time. And like why toxic masculinity, like continues to prevail over and over again is that a lot of straight male friendships are like based purely on like obligation Mm -hmm. and I'm just like you don't even like this person like just stop doing this shit like don't do like I just can't believe that like October to June that's already too long yeah and somebody that's not even pulling their weight in the house and then brought a animal into the house that they don't clean up after no i would have kicked them out a long time ago yeah this is like your husband is behaving like a child well yeah also like they didn't want to go move in with their parents because it would be bad for them but then they moved into your house and made it bad for you Mm -hmm. 
it's not it's not a fair trade-off it's not fun. the math ain't mathin Mm-mm. no and your husband like if your husband being mad at you for being a, like setting a firm line like you already didn't want to do this and this is like an i told you so moment like look how fucking horrible this is going like this whole this is just like an absolute shit show and you're not he's not helping anyone like all your husband is doing is alienating you in this situation mm-hmm. yeah there's no way you're having sex either like i was just like i like i don't want to have i'm like no. not attracted I mean, to like, you it smells like cats in here and no yeah you're not wrong at all at all i'm like her i don't like people in my space me neither i would be exhausted yeah and with like able-bodied people that can like do better than, and he's not trying to do better no no like yeah you i understand it would be harder for you to live in your car like in your parents house in your car than you have a friend who lets you in you are so gracious you do like above and mm-hmm. beyond and you work you you do you only let that you only do it for like a month mm-hmm. yeah because i don't think he thinks he's gonna leave at all right all right time for a break Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a a, a secondary of my package and I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods i cannot sing their praises enough specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes, but also if you're working out, if you're sweating, hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah, I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I 
love the chocolate bliss, the vanilla cream, the caramel sundae. I have all three of those flavors. Sometimes I mix and match them. Sometimes I'll use it when I'm baking or I'll just drink it straight. And it is, they're so good. They have a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that makes it so delicious. You can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code blame me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards and book of the month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next which for me is like the biggest hurdle i love when other people make choices for me especially when they're good choices and i'm like cool i can trust you so each month the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from all of the books are so good you can't go wrong and i mean that wholeheartedly when we were picking like our selects for this i was like wait this I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley. And we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The ministry of time is like, people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective 
Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes ever since Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com and you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. And we're back. We're back, we're back, we're back. Let's get in to the rest of these met i like this they left off a letter to keep it short <laughs> met and became best friends with april and jess in college and we got a house together april and i took one room and jess got the primary things were great for a year until jess told us her childhood best friend katie would be staying in her room for the summer jess was never home as it was so april and i decided it wasn't a big deal april katie and i were always home Though, so naturally we bonded as roommates cooking together and watching TV in the living room. Jess never said anything, but her behavior obviously indicated that she hated that April and I were becoming friends with Katie. We decided that if she didn't feel strongly enough to say something about it, that we wouldn't either. Katie moved out as planned, and a year later, Katie reached out to April and I asking to grab lunch to catch up. April and I genuinely liked her and agreed to meet that one time thinking no big deal. Months later, Jess calls us screaming with Katie crying in the background. Jess went through Katie's phone while she was sleeping and found out about the lunch. Jess demanded we stop being friends and communicating ever again with Katie immediately or our friendship with her was over. I felt like I was property rather than a human being and declined both friendships to avoid future drama. 100% we should have made her aware of the lunch looking back, but I also I genuinely feel like Jess majorly overreacted and was out of line for going through Katie's phone and then giving us an ultimatum instead of having an adult conversation and also never communicating her actual feelings. Dynamics were off, but am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong at all. Jess is a loser. Jess is the one that brought Katie into the dynamic. As it is. Like, don't introduce, like, if you're lame and, like, you're a loser and you're not cool, don't introduce your friends to, like, your other friend who's cooler mm -hmm. than you because, like, they're going to like her more than you. Right. Right. Sorry. Why are you mad that, like, we're friends with her and you clearly don't like her and you were get it was evident to the writer that Jess was mad about how close they got with Katie. So, like, if I knew that she was mad that we weren't friends, I wouldn't have invited her to the lunch either. Because then she would have been pissy during lunch and when it was just for you guys to catch up with Katie. I also don't think that you needed to have told her like that you like Katie was the one who invited you to lunch. Like, I also think even if you invited her to lunch with you in April, like, I don't think that you owed Jess an explanation or like no. to let her know ahead of time, like at all. No, like I don't owe anyone an explanation for where I choose to spend my time. I wonder how long Jess and Katie's friendship is going to last after this, because this is like wildly controlled. Like, I commend the fact that I totally understand we were like, not, neither of this is it's not worth it for you to maintain friendships with either of them to avoid future drama. 
agree. But I wonder at what point Kate, if Katie will get to that point, because. Mm -hmm. But if she's crying, like getting yielded and being cried and forcing her to cry, it feels like that she probably isn't friends unless she doesn't realize yet how much of a cunt that Jess is. Mm -hmm. This is so weirdly controlling. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if they were friends before, then they've probably like had lunches together without you guys. And I, I would think that this might have happened before with her, that people always like Katie more. So she's like very controlling of who Katie hangs out with. Yeah. Why would she bring Katie in if you can't bring your cool friends around and then you'd not be cool, no. too? Yeah. Like if you are a loser, <laughs> you can't have you can't expect people to not like people know like and you have mm-hmm. if you have cool friends, like they are going to be like, they're so much cooler than you. Mm hmm. Even if they, of course, I'm sure that you guys didn't say this out loud, but you were thinking it in your head. And she knows. Mm -hmm. Like, we all know if we have a friend who like, oh, my God, this is my cool friend. Like, this friend is really cool. And like, if you're insecure about that or like, you don't want like, no. Yeah. I have a friend that I introduced to my other friends and they hang out more because they are into more of the same type of things. I don't care. That doesn't change what our friendship is. Yeah. I love that my friends all get along. Yeah, me too. Because I'm awesome and I'm not a loser. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what you should want. Yeah. I think Jess needs to focus on herself and why she sucks so much. (laughs) (laughs) And why people don't like her. Like, this is like, I can't even express how embarrassing this is for her. Like, I this is so embarrassing. And like, you can't recover from this. Like, you don't, you're, you have to like change your name (laughs) like go somewhere else because like no one's gonna think you're cool this follows you fucking weird 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 ass behavior i hope that katie gets out of that yeah okay hi megan and melissa i'm 19 years old with the pronouns she her the situation involves my boyfriend 19 he him brady and his mother 44 tammy I am in college and commuting while living with my boyfriend. My boyfriend, Brady, has a full-time job and makes $1,000 more than I do monthly. Being a full-time student, I only work three to four days slash 22 hours a week and and I'm financially independent. Tammy, his mom, charges me rent of $300 a month while Brady doesn't have to pay rent. His mother's only home one to two months out of the year because she is a traveling nurse. So I, yes, just me, take care of the house for her. The past month or two, I've been struggling financially and all of my money slash paychecks have been going to her for rent. And then I only have about 20 to $50 to live on for the month. I brought it up to him the other day and he instantaneously got upset with me and initiated an argument. He told me that I should be capable of taking care, taking on more work. And that's just life. I mentioned asking his mother to lower my rent for a few months until I'm back on my feet. But he instantly shot, shot back at me and told me I need to grow up and figure it out. When I did ask Tammy about lowering it, when I thought she'd be understanding as she went to college herself and knows the struggle, her response was very cold and told me to move out in a few months if I couldn't pay. But Brady agreed with her wholeheartedly and said I should be capable. Am I wrong for being upset about the situation and what should I do? The only thing that you are wrong for is dating this man. And that's it. And even that, I'm not going to victim blame you at all. Like, this is like, Anytime that someone writes in and just like in such plain language says how horribly someone in their life is like treating them and it doesn't, it's not like 
we broke up and whatever, like that to me just like screams, you've been conditioned to this behavior because this behavior has been like constant. This is like so wildly unacceptable, like absolutely unacceptable that like move out and break up with him. Cause like, I don't think you're wrong at all. Like, I also think that like when I am a parent and I'm older and if like my kid has a partner who is in college and working and is financially independent and doesn't have, whether it doesn't have people nearby, like guardians who they grew up with, who can like help them financially nearby, or if they like have like a bad home situation, like you're coming home with me, like, come on. We'll mo- like, I just think that like this notion that people who don't have like the same support system just need to like work harder at something that they like can't change while simultaneously she's watching her own son who is she is supporting people will support their own fucking kids and then watch people who didn't have that same support system and just be like, pull up by the bootstraps work hard and that's what americans do and it's like you're not doing that for your kid though because that mentality only applies to people who you don't think deserve that help mm-hmm. like this is bad shit I'm probably going to get some flack for this. Oh, God. (laughs) When you enter into agreement of living with someone that changes the relationship dynamic, it turns from a personal relationship to a business relationship. I do not like how any of this was handled. I do not. I think they're completely wrong about how they're responding to you, how he's responding. Like, you shouldn't be dating this person. But if you move out and go somewhere else, you're still going to have to pay rent. And I don't know where you live or where you're going to go or what the um, like cost of living where it is. But like I paid more than three hundred dollars in college. And I'm not saying that it was right, but like in my apartment. And so I feel like if you move out, you're going to end up paying more. I don't think you should stay with these people. But like when you have already agreed upon paying something that changes the dynamics of what's going on. And I don't think that that's I don't think it's right but that's what they're expecting. And I don't, I don't know what their whole living situation is. I don't know what her mortgage is, if what you're paying helps subsidize that, but it just changes things. I don't disagree with you on that, but I do think, and I think you probably agree with me on that. Like, I think all of that onus is on Tammy. Like, I think that like, it's like the same kind of thing I feel with like, uh, people, kids who take out student loans. Mm -hmm. Like when you were like the younger person in that situation, like, you are reaching out to like you're living with your boyfriend and like he lives in this home and mm-hmm. that's his mom's home and like all of that kind of stuff. So like it is the mom's responsibility to like that is not a tenant. That is your boyfriend's girlfriend. And like that should have been on her. But like mm-hmm. I understand what you mean that like the, the relationship is muddied, but I don't think I don't think that's your fault. No, I, think that I don't is, think like, that's your fault, fault. but like. You should move out, but you're most likely like if you reached out to a landlord, they wouldn't let you. They wouldn't be like, hey, yeah, of course, which they should. I think like you're like, I'll eventually pay it back, which I think they should. But like if you were renting from somewhere, they wouldn't be like, yeah, you can pay 50 less this month. I would reach out to like um, your school to see if they have like um, Mm -hmm. financial aid options that involve uh housing which Mm -hmm. like a lot of them do 
Um, and then if that's not able to work and you don't have like a friend who you can like crash with for a bit or like something like that, then I would also recommend applying for low income housing mm-hmm. and which is like based off which all rent should be, which is based off of your income. Right. So I think that like it is one of those things that like I think that the the true villain in all of this is like you said, is like the treatment of you. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily like it's being put in a financial situation that's like tough and having to work through that. Like I think that will always be better when you are with people who support you. The things that they said to you is just not it. It's not nice. It's not how you should be treating someone that you love. Like, I don't, he's not someone that you should continue to be with. He doesn't respect you at all. And his mom doesn't respect you either, but. It just feels like they're using you and like that, like her son was living there rent free, Mm -hmm. all that shit. And he's making all this money. And so then his mom was like, okay, how much is our mortgage payment? Do Mm -hmm. we have or whatever? And like, had you move in and have you do that so like she can pocket the money essentially. And like, it's just one of those things that like, it's like the same thing that I feel like when like couples move in together and like someone who makes way less money moves into the person who makes way more money their Mm -hmm. place. And then the person's like, well, we're going to split it evenly. And it's like, but you were already living here. And like, Mm -hmm. why am I being used to subsidize your costs Mm -hmm. when we could then go out and find a place that would like you should always be living in a place that it is affordable for the person who has the lowest income right like always and right. so like it just feels like really easy unless you're open to paying more and you know that and that's an agreed upon decision yeah that's what i mean if you're gonna split it like if you're mm-hmm. going to split it and you're gonna have it be even then it needs to be what is affordable for the yes. person who makes the least amount of money right And like, this just feels like they're both using, they've both been using you. So like, since she's rarely there and you've been keeping the house, if you hadn't moved in, would he have gotten someone else to move in and then they would have paid rent and been that person? I'm just thinking of it from that perspective. Like if you weren't living there, they would have had someone else move in and then pay rent. My perspective is she wouldn't have done that and she would have hired a cleaning service or a house manager Mm -hmm. that she would be paying. Mm Mm-hmm like $300 a month to do. Yeah, this is just like horrible. And like your boyfriend is horrible. I hate this. You're not wrong. Uh, And if anyone has any um, info or resources or knowledge on like low-income housing for like college students or like any resources. It's going to be specific to where she lives. So unless she tells us where she lives. Well, if you're in the Facebook group, I'm sure that people might be able to help. Yeah. But they should, if you go to your financial aid office at your school, they should be able to put you in contact with all those people. Wow. Now it is time for Don't Blame Them, a.k.a. Rachel of the Week, where we're each going to nominate the absolute worst person Mm -hmm. this week. Person, place, or thing. (laughs) What would you like to nominate? Person. It is Catherine Kimball Mazil. And this is a... A Trump appointed federal judge in Florida who was the person that made the decision that we will no longer be wearing masks on planes. And she said, and I quote, wearing a mask cleans nothing. At most, it traps virus droplets, but it neither sanitizes the person wearing the mask nor sanitizes the conveyance. 
Which, yeah, that's true because like masks aren't sanitizing, but that's not their job. That's not the job of what masks do. They do trap water droplets from getting on other people and then other people getting it on you. That's what they do. That's the job. That's how a respiratory virus spreads. She's like supremely stupid. She's supremely stupid. I say that in an insulting way and like just purely factual. Like she's actually like supremely unintelligent. The only trial that she ever was a part of was while she was an intern. And the American Bar Association, prior to her being appointed, said that she was not qualified because they cited her lack of experience. There could be some hope. The Justice Department said that they may make an appeal for the ruling. It typically takes a couple days to review and make the assessment. And that was according to political. So at this point, American, Delta, United, Southwest, Alaskan, JetBlue, Frontier, all the big ones have all released statements saying that masks are no longer required. It just makes me sick because like, there were videos of people literally while like on planes and the announcement being made and people were cheering and taking off their mask and even like pilots and flight attendants were cheering. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Even today, Uber said that they're not requiring their drivers or passengers to wear a mask either. Also Amtrak, the train, don't have to wear a mask either, which is even worse because at least with planes, they have some type of filtration system and they don't with the trains or cars. There's a biodefense professor at the Scholar School of Policy and Government at George Mason University that argued that masks, masking up is important in enclosed spaces for lengthy periods amid the uptick in COVID cases, which looking back um, from today, like new cases, We're at 19,379 cases and the seven-day moving average cases is 35,212. We also have to keep in mind that people are self-testing at home, so these aren't even as accurate as it could be. Compared to last month, there were 10,000 cases, so we've got almost twice as much as we had last month for new cases. So this is just because people are traveling, so they're going to be moving all these germs around two different places. It's just going to be a shit show. Yeah. And like so many people are like, oh, my God. Well, like this indicates like this just means that like we're coming out on the other end of it. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, we're not. It doesn't mean that at all. Like, why are you like of all these people who are like, don't trust big government? I'm like, but you trust this now. Like you're mm-hmm. picking and choosing what you're saying is done in the best interest of the people. Right. And also, Anyone who wants to say like, well, the numbers have gotten better. I'm like, do you remember at the absolute worst with the numbers we're at? Do you realize that better does not mean good? Right. Like when you're like in the like when it's like so fucking horrible, slightly less horrible is better. A, a trajectory yeah. of that. So like that's my issue with all of these fucking graphs and shit that I'm like, first of all, the same thing you said, like we're self testing. People aren't sharing it. They're not reporting any of that mm-hmm. shit. And one of the things that they're doing at the NHS and the for the one of the European ones where they was like what they're testing now is like sewage and like samples of like the sewage. And that's how they're being able to predict like how many more people are actually having it because a lot of people aren't even like getting tested and all that. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the numbers are drastically, drastically higher. And that's happening here as well. Mm -hmm. And like 
people are so comfortably ableist, like, and like violently ableist. And you would think that a pandemic where you watch people you know, or people like your friends, family members die and all of that, like that it would change. And it doesn't. And it's like a really terrifying realization that I like you have about people. Yeah. It's like ridiculously sad. And like I saw this tweet that Diet Prada posted in their carousel on Instagram about this. And it was like a mom who was like, I'm with my I'm on an airline as this is happening. They make the announcement and all these people whip their masks off. And I'm just looking at like my kids who are under five years old who aren't mm-hmm. vaccinated. Mm hmm. And just like the whole notion that people are like, well, if you're sick or if you have like a compromised immune system, like just don't travel. That's ableism. If you have cancer, just like don't get on a plane. And I'm like, what? No, you can't say that. Like that's not like Mm -hmm. that in itself is ableism. And those are the first people who fucking turn around and are like, what do you mean I can't be in black spaces as a white person? Like what happened to like, what happened? Where's International Men's Day? And it's like, you want to feel so included in absolutely everything that is not about you. But the second that someone tells you that like your choices could kill everyone else, you're like, well, they should just live in a bubble outside because like Mm -hmm. doesn't fucking affect me. Mm -hmm. It's just unfair and selfish. Well, I agree with you on all of it. Obviously, I'm very upset about it. And I am a road trip girly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got my pee funnel. But like, it's just, and I'm lucky that like, I, you know, as of now, I don't even want to think about having to travel for work. On a lighter note, my Rachel of the Week, who I would like to nominate, is Revolve Fest. (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone has been keeping up uh, with Coachella Weekend 1, Revolve, I've done a bunch of TikToks on this kind of like explaining the difference between like Revolve Fest and Coachella if anyone's interested. But these videos came out where everybody was comparing Revolve Fest to Fire Fest. And Revolve Fest is a festival that revolves the website, um, clothing website. They call themselves like Attainable Luxury. Um, That they put on during Coachella weekend. And it's this like invite only for like influencers and celebrities. And they do all of this content creation, photo booths, pop-ups, like all of this stuff. Like it's this whole mini Coachella. They have their own performances and everything. And they obviously didn't have Coachella last year. So they really amped it up this year. And they... From my perspective, so is it like at Coachella too? Like it's an event at this is completely separate, completely separate from Coachella. So basically, brands wanted to get involved with like influencers were going to Coachella, and it was like people were interested in it from like all over the world, and like it just became this whole like spectacle because like it is this very like I the actual festival Coachella festival itself. Like if I was able to like tweak things, like a not make it run by Golden Voices, um, and also like have because I can't eat anything there. So like Mm -hmm. have allergen, allergen friendly foods, have better transportation, have like better security systems, have like more readily available drug testings for people. Cause there's a lot of people who like, like there's a lot of paramedics you see there all the time. I love the festival in itself. Like during the day, like so much fun. Like it feels magical. Like it's so cool. Like it's great. I love that. But Coachella is like a huge stickler for not like 
essentially like not promoting other things while you're there. So like you can't bring in like big cameras, like you can't do these installations and all that stuff. Like they own like everything. Their contracts are like super tight too. You'll notice that for performers who perform at Coachella that like there's lots of places they can't perform after. Like it's all of Mm -hmm. this shit. So brands wanted to get in on this because people were obsessed with Coachella. Like viewers are obsessed with watching people go to Coachella. And so Revolve built their own thing. And it's always, oh, it's at this manor. It's like Greystone Manor or something. It's something that they talk somewhat. I, I Googled it. And it's also like a Real Housewives thing. That's what I was going to say. Oh. Greystone Manor is. I was Because Moss was asking me and I was like, I think it's Greystone Manor. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's something. It's something that's also in the. Because Greystone Manor is in New It's in this Revolve Fest is on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Okay. Graystone Manor is Dorinda's house and she lives in, she's a New York person. Oh, I'm conflating this with a post I saw on my. Graystone Mansion. Is that it? Because that's in Beverly Hills. No, it's in Palm Springs. Okay. Oh, Merv Griffin Estate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they have on Real Housewives who stayed there. They had a thing there, but that Graystone Manor is somebody else's house. I'm conflating two. Thanks. Cause I saw, okay. I think the Greystone Manor one was like an Airbnb raffle or they were doing something for ch- something about that. I don't know. It was on like, uh, on my Finsta, one of mm-hmm. the things popped up there, but yeah, this one in, in the article, it had said something about Real Housewives. I think maybe Kyle rented it out for them to stay, but she also, now she has a house there. So they usually stay there, but mm-hmm. yeah. So they've done this here for, this is like where Revolve's always done mm-hmm. this for, as far as I'm from my experience. And so it's Coachella in itself, like Coachella Valley, like everything's really spread apart and far away from each other. So they're like where you stay, it takes, you have to take a bus to get to Coachella, like the actual festival, like nothing is close by. It is all like a hassle to get to. But this year, I guess from what I have seen from social media is that they allegedly what people think happened was they over-invited like way, 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 way too many people. Mm -hmm. And they just were giving pretty much everyone an invite to this like VIP exclusive event. And then they didn't have the infrastructure there to make that work. And so people were jumping these security lines and like they were like storming to get to the bus. Like people were fainting. There was like no food and no water. People were waiting in line for like eight hours. And they were like people that like Revolve reached out to them and invited them to come. And so they would like fly out to Palm Springs to go do this thing because it's like the way it was talked about, like it was like this invite only exclusive thing. And then a couple of weeks or like a week before it actually happened, they sent like an email out to Revolve customers saying that they could get a ticket if they spent $2,000 at Revolve, like if you placed an order for that. And so I guess there were three lines. There were influencers and celebrities. And then the second line was VIPs, which was like most of the micro influencers and people that they invited. And then the third line was the customers who had done that. I and was so, wondering because I saw some girl that had like a hundred followers on Instagram. I was like, how is she here? Maybe she's a friend of somebody, but that would make more sense. Okay. And the so from my knowledge, from a lot of people who I've seen commenting on things who were invited as like micro influencers to go to these things, they're, they, they don't have like huge followings. And this is like not a knock to micro influencers at all. I think micro, everyone starts as a micro influencer, mm-hmm. like who's in this space. And I think that like micro influencers can actually be like the most influential because people trust them and they have an mm-hmm. audience that they're like actively building at that time. But micro influencers get fucked over. Like 
fucked over, fucked over, fucked over. Like from just seeing what I've seen on TikTok, on Twitter, people talking about what the, the deals that they accept, like brands just take advantage and brands rely on these micro influencers to get so much content for them at an, an insulting rate. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like an MLM scheme. They're able to, with all of the drop, like all of the, the numbers that those people drive through and all of the content that they're pushing out, they're able to then use that money and use that like ROI essentially to secure people like Kim Kardashian to come. Like, it's like, what is it? Robbing Peter to pay Paul, like that mm-hmm. kind of, like that saying, it's very much that. And so the people who were getting onto the bus were, I think, from what it was been told, it was a lot of the people who are in the mostly like influencer line who are being favored to get on and or felt most confident that they should be the ones getting on. So they like took initiative and would kind of just push ahead. But apparently like buses, like there was no one really doing anything or managing the line at all. And so then people like the buses were just like, fuck this. And then they would just like leave with nobody on them because they were like, everybody's like storming and screaming. And it was just like a sh- madhouse. Then the, there are all these people who like actually went and like got in who are then making videos being like, that wasn't my experience. Like my experience is great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Shh. like this just so sus and weird and yeah. odd and like, come on. And like the whole thing of being like, well, if they were on time, blah, blah, blah. And so the pinnacle of Revolve from a consumer and like an outsider standpoint is everything they do is like cool girl. Like that's what you want to be. Like they have that really exclusive, like really cool thing. You're like, oh, it's like mysterious and awesome. And like, it's on everyone's vision board to work with Revolve, do Revolve Fest and all that. It feels like the creme de la creme. Like it's like when you're there, you've made it. Like that's it because it feels so exclusive. And it feels like that when you are attending as well. They That's how they keep their consumers buying shit is because it's like, you'll be like these people if you're cool. But they do the same thing to the influencers, like, and the people who are invited to those things that, like, they have a select few people who they will treat really well, but other people, it's like being in a sorority where you're getting, like, you're not being treated nicely. You're watching them treat other people badly, but, like, you will keep doing more and more for them in hopes that you will become one of the people that they do treat well. Because you see that. Like, you see them these treating these other people well, and, like, There's all this like talk about influencer culture and people have so many feelings about that. I will say something that I have come to the realization in the last like 24 hours. I think my perception of influencer culture is really different than other people's because I don't think that I think mine is dated. I think that like I don't have a huge knowledge of people who are currently in the space and like what they've done to kind of get there. Like my bread and butter is longer form content creation. And a lot of people have then messaged me and were like, hey, by the way, like, I don't think, I think you're grouping yourself in with this group of people that like, I don't see you as doing the same thing. Like, and people having a very different viewpoint of what a content creator is versus an influencer. So I will say I'm not like defending influencer, like the influencers as like a whole, I will say that I'm really lucky that the people that I, I've worked with some horrible people, but I also like the people who I surround myself with and I work with, I guess I need to re like, think about how I describe some of these people, because I'm like, I would think of grace and I both as like, as influence, you know what I mean? And I'm like, mm-hmm. but I don't think other people are feeling that way. But 
Is it more like because you were in it pretty early, but and you don't really I mean, because of COVID, but you haven't really done any of those trips recently. Well, I'm also really I hate those things and I'm Mm -hmm. really not into that. But I also I guess I didn't perceive that that was a choice that other people saw Mm -hmm. and that that was something that was not just me choosing it. Like I didn't realize that that kind of puts me in a different category. Because, like, Grace doesn't go on any of those trips either. Yeah. So that's why I am I think it's different. I think it is, too. And I think yeah. that's what I'm realizing because I think my – the term influencer I've never liked, but it's always been used for people who make money online. It just has been. So like, Yeah, and also I feel like you're – I'm not saying that some people don't have substance, but your stuff has substance and, so, and other people – like, you have, like, meaning to the things that you're doing. It's not just, like, here's my house and here's – that you're like presenting like these are the struggles that I went to to get my house. Some people, it's just like they just want to see lifestyle porn. And I think those are the other the lifestyle porn influencers is the other category. I think you're right. I think that I have associated the term influencer with like influencing for anything where I'm mm-hmm. like influencing people to get out and vote, influencing yeah. people to like check in with their mental health. And everybody else is like, no, that is a commission link. That is yeah. all that is, is all you're doing mm-hmm. is making. And I was like, oh, Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's a very, and I also will say that I think the age of TikTok has completely changed what it means to become an influencer. Like, I think that before you couldn't stumble into this and like become famous with pretty much little to no effort. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of stood by that, that I'm like, in people who like content creators were, work really hard. Like you do all of this work before like to even get the opportunity to get sponsorships and like that brands working with you like you do all of this like we're marketing in ourselves like we're marketing our own we're doing research on like what audiences want like what's trend all of these things like we're doing all of that and that you it doesn't happen accidentally you can have mm-hmm. a video go viral or like people can resonate with what you're doing but like you're doing something mm-hmm. you're you you're creating something but with TikTok you're just putting something up and if it hits it hits and then people are reaching out to you and there's no logic to the algorithm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can crowdsource once and understand once you have an audience, but like it's an algorithm that favors you that has like been proven time and time again to like also be like incredibly like fat phobic and racist algorithm. Mm-hmm. So like I used to really think before, like in the terms of a like, YouTube, like content creation YouTube, like there are formulas or there are people who perform better on YouTube than others, but you can't accidentally become successful because you right. have to, you can't make content by accident. Yeah, you have to put work in. But TikTok, you can. Yeah. Make it, you can make it by accident. And that, I think it's made content creation and being an influencer so much easier that I think that's kind of where the entitlement stereotype has come from because I don't feel like, most creators I know, no matter how big they are on YouTube, are really entitled from like the crowd or the era that I came up from because like you were made fun of for being that person who films himself in their bedroom. Like, mm-hmm. but being famous on TikTok is cool now. Yep. Like, so it feels like it, it's just blown up into this whole other thing. So I will say though that like, I don't think that the issue is like influencer culture as a whole, or the, I don't think the influencers are to blame for influencer culture. It's, I think we need to like focus on the brands, like the brands who are doing this. If they did better with organizing, if they had people that were saying, get in line, if they weren't also, if they weren't separating people by the different 
it's essentially classes within influencer lifestyle or buying into the class, which is what happened uh, specifically for Revolve Fest, then you wouldn't have these different hierarchies. And then you would treat every, if you treated everybody the same, then you'd have better results. Because if people are having a good ass time, they're going to share good ass content. When you make your focus the influencers and not your customers and the consumers, and you make your entire brand based off of like being invited to the cool girl's birthday party, like you want to be cool like us. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so bad and so horrible. And also I will say that like the thing that like really pisses me off about Revolve and a lot of some brand, other brands do this, but Revolve specifically, they have said, and I will link it. I don't, I, I might miss say this. And so I will link the exact TikTok, but they did like some article. Actually, I think I screenshotted it. So from Media Kicks, I'll link it. But in an article, it says, at present, the social media marketing of Revolve is a business unto itself. It is poured and continues to pour money into the influencer marketing budget, accruing an enormous roster of over 3,500 influencers who collectively drive an estimated 70% of sales for the company, despite only making up for 25% of the annual marketing budget. And do you know what that means? That means that you are taking advantage of the people who are, who are creating content for you, so you do not have to spend money mm -hmm. on marketing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I'm like, I think that people who work in the social media space, like content creators and marketing people, I'm like, I need us to be on the same side. Because sometimes like when you get these brand deal, like the shit that they are asking you to do, you're like, I know that you are reaching out to me to do the job of a hundred people because you can pay me less. No, mm -hmm. pay your marketing team to do this. Mm -hmm. Pay your marketing team to do this better. Don't think that you can then then they're never getting promotions. They're never getting any, like the pay that they are getting is so much less because you can pay these other people less than them. Yeah. And like, yeah. let's just stop. We can both coexist. There's a time and a place for both. But like when you ask individual content creators to do the job of somebody else for at a much lower pay rate, and then you brag about like, yeah, we have all, they drive this amount of sales and like, <laughs> we don't even spend that much money on a marketing mm -hmm. budget because they do it for us for free. Like, that's just like it to me. I'm like, oh, you don't give a shit about right. them. You don't like they're just numbers to you. But then you make influencers feel like it's about personal relationships. So they work their ass off to impress you. They do all of this free content for you. They're constantly doing that to get noticed and get attention from you. And in reality, you're just using them and making them feel like they need to be grateful for the opportunity to make you money. Mm-hmm. And like the asks for this stuff, a lot of people don't have like an understanding of like what a social media like ask is. And they're like, well, the fact that people are getting paid this blah, blah, blah. You're getting paid because it's what you are making the company. Mm -hmm. So like it's the return on investment. So it's like the sales, the click through that they're all going to get. And like when I saw people who like were doing like they in the span of three days at Revolve Fest, they did 10. No, they did 12 Instagram posts. They did about 100 Instagram stories. All of like All they're doing is creating content. The entire time. And when you're inside there and you're inside the festival, all you're doing is creating content constantly. Like, yeah. and that's it. It's not fun. It was the least yeah. amount of fun that I had of all of the Coachellas I ever went to. And there are wonderful perks. Yes. Free clothes, all of that. But when you know that the perks that you are getting do not equal the amount of money that they are making off of you, it feels gross. And it also feels gross because like, yes, capitalism, people who work for Amazon, you're knowing that you're making Jeff Bezos all of this money. And it's not all of that. Like it's not happening in there. And then it's just the, the actual personal interactions where they go out of their way to make 
you feel like you have to like earn their acceptance Mm -hmm. into something that they invited you to. And it's like just a mind game. Yeah. And I hate it. I, people see it as being like easy money and it's this really simple and easy thing to do. And like, first of all, when I think when I hear someone complain about their job at or like talk about the faults of their job or the hardships at no point ever do I think that they are saying that their job is the hardest job in the world. Like, it's just like, I think if we don't let anybody vent about the current struggles mm-hmm. in their own workplace, A, we romanticize these careers that like actually have a lot of like hardship to them. And we also like can't fix problems like that right. occur there. But your job isn't a real job, though. So I know that was sarcasm in case somebody thought that I was being serious. (laughs) No, but like when you know, like I personally would rather have somebody talk about the hard parts of their job of a job Mm -hmm. that looks so glamorous than the whole time to like, I think people think that you need to be loudly grateful and like quietly critical. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that does a service to anybody. And like, especially in the age of social media where everything is a highlight reel and everything looks amazing and great. Like, I don't think that it makes you ungrateful to point out how things aren't always as they seem. And like, as someone who consumes that stuff, like I fall for that shit all the time. Like I, I love when people talk about like, this wasn't all it's cracked up to be. And I think that the issue is, is, a lot of the time the people who are within influencer culture who are critiquing it will say like will not recognize that like they will conflate money in the sense of like well money doesn't make like bring happiness or whatever and I'm like okay that's the same thing as throwing the white privilege thing around where it's like yeah that is like having money now for me it doesn't bring happiness but it doesn't I I've eliminated an entire subset of problems from my mm-hmm. life because I have money like mm-hmm. unless something changes for me financially like that is an entire subset of problems that I don't have. So any of the problems that I have doesn't make them any less valid, but it just means that I don't have those ones. Right. And people who I'm speaking to, they have those ones. Right. Money gives you emotional. It can give you emotional stability that that's still it's not like a mental health, but it can affect your mental health. If I didn't have enough money to eat, then that makes that puts a strain on my body. But you eliminate if I have enough money just to eat, that eliminates something. If I don't have enough money for housing, that you know, it's just like different tiers. Yeah, and I and I think people see things like as uh, you've got your basic needs met, so you're fine. And, but I also think in the same sense, I think the people who do critique, I think influencers when they complain about things or they talk about things or whatever, I think when they themselves directly relate it to, well, money doesn't buy happiness, essentially tells poor people that like we, you can have problems regardless of your income situation, but not having income is a problem mm-hmm. that like it does, that does not differ to anyone. Like the poorest person in the world will it like that, that they have st- financial struggles that don't go away no matter how good they're mental. Like it affects every aspect Mm -hmm. of your life. And that's the part where I think is completely like out of touch. Like, I think that is one that I'm like, I, and I'm sure I've probably said it at some point or another when I was like in a very dark place, but like, it's just one of those things that like, if people want to critique, which I think we should continue to critique influencer culture and system, everything. Mm -hmm. But I think if when we are, a part of it and you and you are a part of that doing so and unless we can acknowledge that money is a privilege then there's no way that we're going to get anywhere with anything because i also think that like i when i didn't have money i 
viewed financial stability, financial success and independence as something that was going to make me happy and that would fix all of my problems. And because we don't talk about the privilege of money enough, when it didn't fix all of my problems, it fixed it fixed some of them. It fixed enough where you could have the access to physical and mental health assistance, health care that helped with the other things. And that's where I think capitalism comes into play Mm -hmm. in all of this, that it becomes like hustle money, hustle money, hustle money, blah, 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 where it becomes we all need to have our basic needs met. Mm -hmm. But when we strive to when you reach a certain tax bracket that capitalism romanticizes wealth, when in reality, like what what wealth, what, what, what but what having money does is it eliminates the struggles that no one should be facing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is just like wildly, just wildly, wildly fucked. And I think also if for people, if it helps you to unfollow creators, content creators, when you see them complaining about all of this stuff, like Revolve Fest and blah, blah, blah. Oh, the la- okay, this was the last thing I was going to say to this. I really do understand, though, the anger of people complaining and how they probably didn't think through what they were saying. But people don't want to talk about, like, the job side of influencerness as much. But my thing that was running through my head is I'm like, oh, these people are panicking because they signed contracts that they have to create all of this content at Revolve Fest about Revolve Fest and they can't get in. Mm. And they are in breach of their contract. That's true. And that's going to go on them. So I am curious to see what will happen with that. Um, I did a wonderful TikTok with my suggestions to the Revolve PR team. If anyone wants to watch, it's quite funny. But yeah. The Duolingo Owl and Scrub Daddy also did a little parody. They also had a few scrub babies. So check that out. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I love it. Well. Positive thing of the week. Oh, yeah. I guess my positive thing would probably be that we bought a house and like we're moving and it's such an out of body experience because the (laughs) in California, but everywhere home ownership is becoming like a more and more distant goalpost for people. And the fact that like we had the access and the privilege to be able to like make this work is just wild. I can't believe it. So I'm, that is my good thing of the week. And the other good thing of the week that's pertaining to that is I found out that our house has a giant avocado tree and a fig tree. Oh, they produce a lot, apparently. Yeah, they do. And so um, I'm also going to work on when we're eventually move everything in and do like I really want to do like a a garden. So I've been looking into that. Excited. You can get some of my tomato seeds. Uh Oh, what's your good thing of the week? I do want to give a shout out to our editor, Coco. She knows what she did, but she's great. Coco and Melissa robbed a bank together. <laughs> <laughs> she's at Coachella right now, but she did some cool stuff. Cheller. So this man, what happened to him was bad, but he was at work and they threw him a surprise birthday party. And he told them like the week before that he didn't want to have a party because he has severe anxiety. And they did it anyway. And he had like a breakdown and then got fired from work because of it. He got fired? The guy that they threw the birthday party for, even though they he told them like he can't like he doesn't like that. Yeah. I hate surprise parties, so I can understand that. And so they awarded him a jury awarded him four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. Twenty seven years old. His name's Kevin Berlin. So 
What company was it? Gravity Diagnostics, a lab testing based in Covington, Kentucky. He suffers from anxiety disorder and fear attention would trigger a panic attack. And so like if don't put people in situations that will trigger their mental health. Clearly the party wasn't for him. It was for their own egos. It was for their own egos. And they still stand by it too. Like they think that they like terminate, like the reason they terminated him is still like valid. I wonder if they'll get a fine from someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I feel like it's a win for recognizing that uh, you have to take people's mental health seriously. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on the payday. Yeah. Well, that is now officially it for our episode. We hope you all enjoyed. If you want to send us an email submission, send it on over to butamirongpod at gmail.com. And this episode comes out on Thursday, but we have the votes will be up Friday or before Monday. Most likely they will be up on Friday. So head on over to vote. And if you have any suggestions for Rachel of the week or good news of the week or anything, tag us on TikTok, Instagram, send us a DM, shoot us a tweet, all of the above. And yeah. Okay. We will we'll see you all back. next time. Oh, we'll circle back. <laughs> but Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa Demonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.